0: We all know the legal world is complex and high pressured. There's no room for error. That's why judges and attorneys across Chicagoland have trusted the expert court reporters at McCorkle Litigation Services since 1948. McCorkle Litigation Services has accurately recorded every word from thousands of legal proceedings. McCorkle Litigation Services provides the legal community with peace of mind, transcribing testimony and depositions that can be used reliably by jurors, judges, and attorneys. For all of your legal support needs, contact McCorkle Litigation Services online at McCorkleLitigation.com.
1: Our first guest today is Dr. G. Terry Madonna to talk to us about the Trump impeachment trial and also some other goings on in national politics. Uh, Dr. Madonna, even though you told us to call you Terry, (laughs) you earned your Ph.D., so we're going to call you Dr. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. uh, It's a pleasure to chat with you all. So obviously a significant week in the House impeachment inquiry. News coming out of Washington today is that the House released their report. Uh, The White House, of course, said they would not participate on Wednesday, tomorrow, when the committee questions legal experts about whether there are grounds to impeach Trump. This is all while Trump is in London, of course, for NATO meetings, and on his way out yesterday said that, That should be case over, in referencing his conversation with the Ukrainian president uh, today during the press conferences he had with the national leaders. Uh, He again said that this case is over and there's nothing more to it. So Mm -hmm. where do you, as a keen observer of these proceedings, think we will be by the end of this week on the impeachment hearings? Any any progress?
2: Well, I think what we're going to hear from the four legal scholars uh, tomorrow when the House Judiciary Committee convenes its public hearing, And three of the four were picked by Democrats, and they're likely to lay the groundwork, uh, constitutional groundwork, for impeachment. The fourth individual, Jonathan Turley, uh, law professor, he has publicly been very critical of the process so far. So I think at the end of the day, the House Judiciary Committee, the Democrats on it, will, will who knows for sure, but it looks like, They'll be prepared to move impeachment articles. Now, what we don't know yet is how long the Judiciary Committee will will hold the public hearings. Will they have sessions later in the week? Not likely, but here's the dilemma. Next week is probably the final week the Judiciary Committee can consider impeachment articles because they want to get a full House vote, that is the Democrats, by the third week because they don't want to push off impeachment in the House into the new year for reasons that we can talk about. So my hunch is that we're going to have articles of impeachment adopted, adopted by the House, by the Judiciary Committee, if not by the end of the week, by certainly the end of next week, and the likelihood that they'll call some additional witnesses looms large.
0: Do you want to share with our listeners what the concern is with pushing it out too far for the oh, Democrats? Sure.
2: That's very easy. Here, Here's the situation. Until today, when Com- Kam- Senator Kamala Harris dropped out, the Democrats have six. Now they have five U.S. senators that are seeking the Democratic nomination. The last thing the Democrats want is to push impeachment articles over to the Senate for a trial where... The Republicans who control the Senate, led by Mitch McConnell from Kentucky, Senator McConnell, are likely to hold the trial and to push it week after week after week after week as we get close to the February 3rd Iowa caucuses and then the New Hampshire primary. So in other words, you'd have now five five Democratic senators who are tied up in D.C., in a trial not out on the stump so to speak campaigning in Iowa and New Hampshire so the democrats want to want to move this very quickly in fact they would have preferred to have the vote before thanksgiving and to move it ahead but now it looks like they'll if they can get it done by the end of next week out of the judiciary committee uh, onto the senate for the onto the full house by the third week and and th- there you go it's still much later Than the Democrats would have preferred.
1: Doctor, you do a lot of commentating, obviously, all across the country on on various issues, including this one. And I'm curious your feelings on this idea of censure versus impeachment. Many have called on on both sides of the equation, have called for a censure as a uh, measure, maybe a compromise measure short of impeachment. Explain to us what censure is and what are the merits of doing that versus a full impeachment trial.
2: Well, censure there's not censure is not in the US Constitution. There's not that word does not appear. Well, impeachment does in three different articles of the US Constitution. It lays out the process, the reasons, who's involved in it. Censure literally has been used to reprimand and that's that's the way to think about censure. Reprimand, reprimand, reprimand it has, in a sense, no legal consequence at all. A censure is a reprimand. Only one president in American history has been censured, Andrew Jackson, back in the 1830s in a situation involving the Second Bank of the United States. And then later, when his party regained control of the Senate, they expunged it. So no president has been censured. A censure is merely, as I indicated before, a reprimand. It has no legal consequence at all. The president would continue to do his job as he's been doing it, or who knows, with President Trump, he could do it differently. But you get the point. Whereas impeachment, if he gets impeached in the House, and that looks very, very likely, uh, if he gets impeached, if President Trump gets impeached in the House, but does not get convicted in a trial in the Senate, he would continue to serve out his term, no president has been removed from by by a conviction on impeachment articles in the United States Senate. We've had two presidents actually impeached, Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton, but neither were convicted in the Senate. And by the way, they, uh, you know, they uh, they continue to serve out their terms as as you would as you would expect, as I indicated. But here's what censure does. What censure does is allow. Democrats who don't want to, you know, there are 31 House members, 31, who are in districts won by President Trump, 10 of them, President Trump won by double digits. So the leaders of the House have to be a little nervous about the congressional elections, obviously, coming up next year. And that allows them to vote uh, a reprimand who knows? You could even get Republicans, some Republicans who say, I don't want to impeach the president, but what he did was improper. So you could say a reprimand would cite the president's improper behavior, but not remove him. So that might even have some appeal to Republicans. In other words, in a word, bipartisan.
0: Terry, impeachment is clearly a political issue. Do you think that there is the political will today to impeach the president, especially so close to the election?
2: Right. Well, here's what's fascinating. About 48, 49 of, percent of the voters in our country say they support impeachment. About 43, 44 percent say no. Now, you'll get some polls that will show a majority, say, impeach and remove. But here's what's fascinating. If you go and look at the trend line back several months, literally, there's almost no change. It's flat. 48, 49 percent say, and guess what? Of the 48, 49 percent, we're looking at 84, 85 percent of Democrats who say, yes, impeach, impeach, impeach. But only 12, 13% of Republicans say impeach. In other words, it's been remarkable the stability over all of the aspects of impeachment that have played out in the United States Congress and throughout the country as a whole. And there's been virtually no change. In fact, the impeachment activities have hardened the opinions of the voters, Republicans saying no, Democrats saying yes.
1: We should mention to our listeners that you know polls. You were the uh, founder <laughs> of the Keystone Poll, which was later named the Franklin and Marshall College Poll. You're also the pollster for a variety of Pennsylvania um, media outlets, yeah. yeah, including the Philadelphia Daily News. Yeah. So just ter- talking about Pennsylvania, which obviously you know very well as well, right. um, you know, you've got a key state that you are yep. in in Pennsylvania um, looking forward to the elections that are just in front of us. Right. What is Trump and the eventual democrat nominee have to do to win your state and how do you think that would be a harbinger of the general election
2: yeah that's a great question first of all president trump won the presidency because his campaign developed what we call the rust belt strategy going after working class voters these are voters who don't have high school educations most of whom live in areas both in pennsylvania ohio wisconsin and michigan where once the ancestors of these folks worked in the great industries, coal, iron, steel, and, and, and others. And that campaign was a harbinger, if you will, of the support base for President Trump and conversely, the opposition. So President, the Democrats have to reach out and try to win over more of the working class voters which have moved away from them over the last couple of decades. For Republicans, on the other hand, they have to do something about the loss of support in the suburbs. 2018 election, the Democrats picked up 40 seats. I'm talking about the elections last year, the midterm elections, many of them in suburban districts. The suburbs, large numbers of voters, particularly college-educated voters, millennials, millennials, who make up that uh, that composition in these in these burbs? So really, what I'm looking at here, both in PA and Michigan and uh, Wisconsin, to be sure, and to some extent Florida, the the fourth of the big states that we're looking at carefully, is which set of voters get motivated? Is it the working class, or is it the suburban voters that I just mentioned, particularly college-educated women who have moved away from the Republicans? and now support the Democrats in larger percentages than in recent years. So it's kind of a chess game. Can the Republicans pick up support in the suburbs, which they've been losing, and can the Democrats, on the other hand, do something about the working-class voters in rural and small-town America and rural and small-town Pennsylvania, which they've been losing over the last couple of decades, and which voters are motivated? And remember... We're still, you know, not, not, not almost nine months away from the election. What's the health of the economy? Trump's strongest argument for re-election is the health of the economy. Will it remain strong? Will we go into recession? Will we have a foreign policy crisis? Who's the Democratic nominee going to be of the 15 candidates that remain? And so there's a number of unanswered questions right now. I, you cannot rule out that Trump can't win Pennsylvania Michigan, and Wisconsin again. I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying you can't rule it out. Uh, you can't rule it out, and it's a, a you know a process that we're going to have to see unfold before our eyes.
1: Doctor, before we let you go, I assume you're an Eagles fan. I can't help but rub in the fact that the <laughs> oh, Eagles gosh. this past weekend lost to the lowly Dolphins. I know. Wasn't that... Pitiful. Yet the I mean, Bears, the offense, yeah, they
2: do have some injuries. Yeah. oh yeah. I'm but the Chicago Bears, Bears,
1: who you guys knocked out in the playoffs, I was at the double doink game, so I'm happy to see the Bears are on a winning streak. <laughs> Eagles are on a losing streak. Doctor Terry Madonna, he is the director of the Center for Politics and Public Affairs at Franklin and Marshall College. Thank you very much for joining us on Legal Faceoff.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.